Hey everybody, what's up? Yeah, it is early Monday morning, very late Sunday night. And I wanted to come on here to do a little bit of a topics on my mind, if you will, so I can get it out of the way. You know, give you guys some more content as best I can, because uh, like I said, you know, I can't, you know, really do this um, during the day like I would normally do because my mom is off right now due to circumstances beyond her control at her job. Um, as I've said before, basically um, a student that they um, have <coughs> have there, excuse me, have there uh, came in contact or, you know, got exposed to relatives that tested positive uh, for COVID-19. So, you know, just because, you know, and just because of that, basically, even though the, the student, um, the student basically probably wasn't, you know, didn't, or probably didn't contract the virus because she's too young to, um, even, you know, that exception, you know, they still got to take protocol and shut the site down for at least two weeks. Um, but, but we'll see what happens as this week goes on. Um, I did get um, information that uh, they might be calling them back, you know, later this week to, um, you know, basically, you know, kind of get a head start, coin a phrase, on next week. So, you know, they'll be properly prepared. So, you know, that's, that's the most information I got right now because she was given a message from her uh, from her uh, boss, the supervisor, that that's probably what's going to occur, that they may be called back to get a head start on next week when they officially come back or the students officially, you know, come back, um, if you will. Um, but, yeah, that's... Um, that's kind of what's going on, you know, if you will. Um, that basically, you know, you know, she she might go back earlier um, than expected due to um, them wanting to get the the staff there. Basically, the people in charge wanting the teachers to get a head start on trying to you know, get things prepped for the following week when the kids come back. So that way they're not, they're not lagging behind or anything. So that's uh, some resemblance of good news, um, if you will. <coughs> Excuse me. But like I said, that's some resemblance of good news. Um, but, you know, besides that, you know, not really much else going on right now. Like I said, you know, not like I said, but like I said, not much really going on right now. Um, I do have future package openings happening this upcoming week. One is actually coming from out of country that I bought off of Amazon to a third party. I guess orders them uh, from there. You know, so, you know, there's that. Uh, 
let's uh, let's talk about let's get this podcast rolling and talk about what we're going to discuss uh, on this late night, early morning, depending on where you are. Uh, the topics is only going to be four because it's going to be kind of a short one because, like I said, it's late and everything. I just want to get something out there for you guys, uh, content-wise. So, um, basically, what we're going to talk about is one: the news of the FedEx shooter having an obsession with MLP My Little Pony's Applejack character, and why it won't and isn't going to be focused on doing this investigation of this tragedy. Number two, we're going to talk about of our, we're going to talk about of, you know, are COVID-19 cases really on the rise? Because there's been several reports on that. Uh, number three, we're going to talk about should cons and festivals move down a few months this year instead of being canceled or made virtually? <clears throat> we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. We'll touch upon that. And then number four, to end on a little bit of a light note and everything, we'll talk about whether or not could Mr. Internet Man's Mystic Makeover series truly work as an animated live-action series on a streaming service like HBO Max or Netflix. And uh, what I'm talking about, and let me see if I can... Um, let me see if I can probably um, add that on there, link to it anyway. Because I've talked about it before on my channel. I've talked about it before, but we're, we're going to talk about that and, you know, kind of figure out whether or not, it, <laughs> you know, it would, you know, it would work, if you will. So, indulge me for a second here, guys, while I do something. Okay, I'm going to look it up. And I do appreciate you guys joining me with this um, late night live stream. Not usually my thing, but like I said, you know, things happen. Cyber silence. Just figuring something out here, making sure I can get this right. There we go. Got it. 
Okay, so yeah, we're going to talk about that to close out this late night live stream. And hello to those here in the live chat. Uh, just let you know, Super Chats are open if you want to donate there, as well as go to my patreon.com slash bwroses, get a $1 tier, get you a recognition and a shout-out. $3 tier, get you recognition shout-out. And uh, um, exclusive video content you can't get anywhere else except on Patreon and my for a limited time on the DeviantArt account, uh, BVW1979. But you have to have a DeviantArt account with the mature settings uh, set in there, or turned on, that is. And uh, the tiers, basically, I have Mandu that does $3 tier, so shout out to them, to Mandu, for doing that. And there were others as well that will probably come back later on, like New Jersey Artists and Cupid All. So, if you guys are interested, like I say, Patreon is one way to look things up. Anyway, though, with that said, and as I test this to make sure you guys are listening... Okay, it looks like you are. All right, just making sure. All right, so let's get on to our topics here, guys, shall we? Let's get on to our topics. And the first one we're going to talk about here is the FedEx shooter's obsession with My Little Pony's character, My Little Pony Friendship with Magic's character, Applejack, and why it won't, won't and isn't going to be focused on during this investigation of, of this tragedy. And my prayers and condolences do go out to the families that lost loved ones during that tragedy. Um, it was uncalled for. I'll put it this way. It was just something that it's been, it's just uncalled for. And as a nation, it looks like, you know, we're becoming numb to it. It's still a shock anytime we hear this. But it's like, you know, still we've gotten to this point that like, you know, we're becoming numb. You know, it's like, like I said, you know, it's still a shock at times when we hear about something like this. But it's still, it's still, it is still basically, it, it, it's just gotten to the point that we, you know, we hear about it, we're saddened, but then, you know, we you know, we move on and the news media, you know, like the news outlets, they move on as well. So it's like, they'll talk about it, you know, in the headlines and then they'll just move on. Like what, like whatever, because we've become so numb to it, you know, these kind of tragedies, which I pray to God. And I think we all do I pray to God finally come to an end, you know, whether you like Biden or not, I think maybe perhaps he and some Democrats and Republicans have the right, you know, idea. We got to get control. We got to basically take these. We got to get gun control around here. You know, whether whether we whether we like it or not, as you know, as a you know, as people, as a nation, you know, we're going to own guns. We got to own them in a responsible way. We can't let anybody that might have mental problems or whatever, you know, get a hold of them. So. You know, whether you like say, whether you like Biden or you don't, I think he, along with other Democrats, Republicans, and other political parties, you know, that are on the same page, on the same wavelength, have the right idea of getting this gun situation under control so that hopefully it lessens 
any of lessens these uh, shootings, you know, it's to, you know more so than we're than we're experiencing them, than we're hearing about them. So again, my prayers and condolences go out to the families that lost loved ones during that. But you know, sp <coughs> speaking of speaking of the shooter, uh, the information we've gotten about him. And hello, my VCR still works. Nice to see you in the live chat as well, along with David Whited, Arcade and Toy Channel, and Batman. Guys, thank you for joining me this late night. Again, Super Chats are open, guys. Patreon.com slash Roses. if you want to donate to the tiers there um, as well. $1 tier and $3 tier um, as well. Uh, but like I said, um, basically we got more information about this guy. I'm not going to say his name because it's already been the news has already mentioned his name, but his age is 19. So he's from comparing him, comparing age range, he's basically 23, 22 years. He's basically 22, 23 years younger than me. And uh, from what we understand, the mother had warned them about this, saying, hey, he needs help. You know, he's threatened to do something like this, but no action was ever taken. And some people might say that's the mother's fault, too, because she should have been the one that took action, at, you know, you know, first of all, to make sure this, you know, her son basically got the help he needed and to kind of help prevent this from happening. But then again, maybe you can see from the mom's side that she saw how maybe mentally unstable he could be. And, you know, he just... You know, you you know, as a parent, she didn't want to risk, you know, pushing the wrong buttons, and he would take out any frustrations or whatever out on her. I I don't know. Uh, we do know he's a former employee. Uh, we do know that this probably was a this most definitely in a sense was a hate crime. Which, again, these hate crimes to me, <coughs> these hate crimes to me, excuse me, they're. These hate crimes, I, I just don't get it. I just don't, I do not understand it. And hopefully, by the blessing of God above, these hate crimes come to an end before this year is out. But yeah, she had said, but yeah, you know, you kind of think maybe she didn't want to go, you know, and provoke any his son in any way. Um, you know, he was a former employee of this uh, warehouse, of this FedEx. And it was apparently a hate crime, but it was also, you know, apparently something that I guess the firing, the letting go of from this job is what pushed him over the edge. But what does this have to do with My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and mostly the character of Applejack? Well, apparently... This guy was obsessed with Applejack. He was obsessed with her. And what I mean by that, excuse me. And what I mean by that is he basically put on his social media before he did this that he would be with, basically he said something, I don't want to read it, you know, because I don't want to give this this jerk any you know, publicity, you know, he, although he took his own life, I still don't want to give him any publicity. 
But he basically said something along the lines of in his social media thing that he'll get to be with Applejack in the afterlife. And that if Applejack's not real, then his life has no meaning or something like that. And look, there's a lot of us out there that look at some of the characters and how they're drawn and everything by animators. And we basically say that these characters look beautiful. They're drawn beautifully. They're drawn to be the eye candy, if you will, for the show, for the viewers, man or woman. And a lot of us men and women look at these female, if not male characters, like I said, depending on how they're drawn, and we consider them to be like our waifus or our husbandos. And, you know, that's, you know, just that, you know, and, and, you know, that might sound weird to some people, but that's just part of being a fan, that you would look at this character as fictionally a significant other you would like to spend time with. You know, you'd like to get to know and everything, which is why you would call them a waifu or a husbando. And here's the thing. There's a difference between that and what this guy, you know, mentioned on the social media. That this guy, you know, he didn't, he didn't just look at Applejack as a waifu, a fic- you know, a waifu that fictionally he could spend time with, like in stories or artwork or whatever. He looked at her as being real. Like, you know, I have that Applejack diamond, you know, that diamond toys uh, uh, bank, that Applejack bank right there. And, you know, uh, from what I could guess, in my, in my own personal opinion, he looked at something like that and thought that, that, and thought basically she was real, that she was alive. And it's like, you know, and it's like when you hear this, and you know, as a fan of the show, of any show, when you hear something like this, you're like, okay, obviously this guy mentally was was mentally in need of help. He really was. Because it's one thing to, let's say, have a doc, let's say, for example, have a documentura, like I have. I have a couple of them. And it's one thing, man or woman, to kiss, you know, the face of the character on that documentura's uh, cover or pillow or whatever. It's one thing to do that, you know, to show affection. But we're all, but most of us, and I say this with all due respect, no offense, most of us are mentally stable enough to realize that even though we may kiss that character on the face, we know they ain't real. We know they're fictional. You know, and all we're doing is having fun, showing our love for that character, for that fandom. And that's all we're doing. This guy basically felt that Applejack was, the character of Applejack was legitimately real life. 
I mean, the fact that he says he's going to be with her in the afterlife, and if she's not real, his life, and if he finds out in the afterlife or whatever that she's not real, it has no meaning. It's like, dude, you need help. You need some mental help. I mean... No, no, no. Um, Ashley Ball did not. Nothing happened to the girl that played Applejack. Uh, basically, the guy was obsessed with the character of Applejack. Basically, thought that this character here was real flesh and blood and everything. And it's like, you know, and he basically, like I said, he basically stated that he hopes to be with her in the afterlife. And if she's not real, his life meant nothing. So, whatever or whatever the case may be. And again, it's like you, when you hear something like this, that right there is a signal of, dude, you need, dude, do that. You need help. You need mental help. And the mother apparently was trying to get help. But if she was really trying to get help, she would have done it a long time ago. Now, I'm not trying to put the blame entirely on the mom. Again, I think I, I can kind of get where she was coming from. You know, like she didn't want to poke the bear, if you will, any further because of his mental state, especially after being let go from this job. So I can understand maybe she was afraid, like I said earlier, that he might take his frustrations out on her. But but again, when, when Equestria Daily reported this, you know, the first thing that went through a lot of people's mind is, oh, no, here we go again. This is the ammunition the media needed to, you know, crucify the Brony and Pegasus, the community, the fandom. And here's the thing. Even though this is disturbing to hear, and although some online media, online news media sites and underground or you know, on the outside looking in news sites, you know, that you can watch on cable television like Newsmax and places like that. You you know, you, you know, even though they might just pick up on it a little bit and talk about it. This guy's obsession with a fictional character gets overshadowed by what he did. Cause all they're gonna do is they're gonna look at that and they're gonna say, Yeah. There was something's mentally wrong with him. And, you know, what they'll look at is they'll just look at that as, you know, not something that, you know, you could blame the Brony Pegasus community on. You know, because of the fact that, hey, you know, this just shows that adults shouldn't be fans of a little girl show because they might become obsessed. No, no. No, that's not it. You can be a fan of anything. You just got to realize that what you're a fan of, from a show perspective or a movie perspective, that those characters are not real. Those characters are not real. And, you know, the thing... The thing is, this guy obviously couldn't separate fiction from reality. I mean, mentally up here, something wasn't right. And a lot of people, in my opinion, 
will not focus will not focus on his obsession with one MLP character, one fictional character, you know, as being a reason as to why he did this. No. This here, his obsession with Applejack, it's just, it's just basically like, like just a piece of paper, just like a little wrap, piece of wrapping paper that's part of a bigger puzzle. It's nothing. It means, and I say this with all due respect, it means diddly, you know, in the grand in the grand scheme of things. Because truth is, what he did by injuring multiple people, taking the lives of eight or more people, and then take you know eight or more people before putting before putting the gun on himself. You know that is going to overshadow his little obsession with Applejack. It's, it's basically like, it's basically along the lines of, you know, th- th- this is basically along the lines, and people point this out, this is basically along the lines of when somebody blames video games for something similar happening. Yeah. You know, sometimes video games can't take the blame depending on what kind of nature of the game they are. But that blame is an insignificant little bubble that's just part of a, you know, a grander, a bigger picture, you know, in all of this. It's just like an insignificant little bubble, and that's it. I mean, Mortal Kombat, when that originally came back, you know, came out as a series, as a franchise. In the early to mid '90s, not just in arcades, but in home console ports, yeah, it got criticized for its violence and everything. Thus, we ended up getting the game rating system. But the complaints that it got then, when it began, and even nowadays, it's just an insignificant little bubble that's just part of a bigger picture. Because the other parts of that bigger picture overshadow it. Just like this guy's obsession with Applejack gets overshadowed by the tragedy he caused in Indianapolis. I mean, look, I'm a fan of My Little Pony, there is no doubt. But you don't see me being obsessed, you know, if you will. Yeah, I have plushies. I have collectibles. I'm not denying that. You've all seen it. But I don't for one moment consider any of them to be real. I don't consider them to be real. Do do people, you know, have fun with the fandom and look at a character like, let's say, you know, Rarity and say she's my waifu? Absolutely. Do people look at someone, do female fans, Pegasisters, look at someone like Big Mac and say, that's my husbando? Absolutely. But the point of the matter is this. It's all in fun and jest because there is not one person in the fandom, Pegasus, Brody, whatever, that believes any of these characters are real. I mean, Josh Scorcher did a review on the episode Fame and Misfortune, and he even pointed out in question, you know, as part of his review, you know, you know, as part of the fun and the love he has for the show. You know, he asked the question, 
of Hasbro, do you believe your characters are real? And then he had to point out that basically, you know, you can't take, you know, can't criticize something that's not, you know, you know, you can't. Basically, if you watch the same misfortune review, you know, he basically says that, you know, these are fictional characters you're putting into the storyline in Fame and Misfortune, not real people. So, and, and, a good, and a good point out there, my VCR still works. GTA as well, Grand Theft Auto. That series is still going on, and it got criticized. The COD, Call of Duty series, bat, you know, Battlefield, games like that, they get criticized. But those criticizations by the media online and at times through several news outlets on television are insignificant in the grand scheme of things. On the grander picture, I should say, of things when it comes to stuff like this. The point is, in the end, you know, the point is, in the end, like I said, the blame the Brony and Pegasistic community is fearing about is going to get overshadowed by the bigger situation here of this tragedy. You know, will news outlets bring it up? Maybe. But from what I can tell, they haven't. I'll tell you why. Earlier today, um, excuse me, earlier today, before me and my, or yesterday, I should say, but by the time you watch this, before me and my mom went to my older sister's for a barbecue just to get to a little family Sunday get together, we were watch. she was watching the news. And they talked about this, about this tragedy, but not once did they mention his tweet about Applejack or his social media message about being with Applejack in the afterlife. Not once did they mention that. Not once. And my family, who likes to sometimes tease me about my fandom, um, uh, of my fandom, my love for Friendship is Magic, not once did they bring that up when it was talked about just briefly during the get-together. Not once. So basically what that tells me is, yeah, the media, the news media is aware of it, but what they're looking at is the bigger picture, the bigger picture of this tragedy. And that all this, all this tweet about being obsessed with Applejack is something that is insignificant in the whole scheme of things. And that's it. Yeah, does it put a, yeah, does it put another black eye on the brony slash pegasistic community? Absolutely. You know, absolutely it does. I mean, years ago, several years ago, uh, the whole thing with Toon Critic, Y2K, that put a black eye on the community for a while. And a lot of the key analysis and reviewers had to lay low a little bit because, you know, they basically feel or felt that if they – would have stayed in the public eye until, you know, until they, uh, basically what I'm trying to say is if they would have stayed, basically they felt, in my opinion, that if they would have remained in the public eye, you know, even after this revelation, that they would get criticized big time. They would not get a, you know, one iota of peace. 
So they laid low and let this whole thing cool down until they were ready to come out and acknowledge, yeah, you know, we kind of goofed in uh, in letting this situation with Tune Critic, you know, go unchecked when we should have, you know, done something about it long ago or something like that. And no, I've not seen the Fast and Furious uh, 9 trailer yet, but I will. But anyway, though, like I said, they laid low until, you know, it cooled off and they were ready mentally and physically to come out and, you know, talk about it and even confess that, like I said, they should have done something prior. But guess what? Even though that thing is still noted as a asterisk, a negative asterisk in the history of the Brony Pegasus community, it's overshadowed by the fandom's love for the show and for the analysis that helped keep the show in the public's eyes. And it, and basically that's what I look at here. That yes, this is a definite black mark, black eye, if you will. You know, negative, major negative asterisk, if you will, on the Brony Pegasus community. But once again, it's going to play an insignificant part. It will not play that big of a part because they're going to look at the mental state. I mean, to them, My Little Pony may have been a big thing, but they're going to look at this and be like, yeah, this guy obviously was disturbed because why would he think a fictional character was real? Just to, to, to them, it just is basically all it's going to do is play a. Play it'll play a vital part, but it won't play a vital part to where, oh, the whole media is going to be against My Little Pony and Hasbro is going to have to cancel everything MLP. No, it's just going to play a part to kind of decipher and you know conclude the mental state of this individual, this sick individual, you know, and what he did, you know, and when it comes to connecting to what he did. So, again. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be focused on doing this investigation that much of this tragedy. It might be touched upon just a bit, but it's going to get overshadowed by the bigger picture of the entire thing. So once again, my prayers and condolences go out to the families that lost loved ones doing this. You know, you know, rest assured they're in a better place looking down upon you guys right now, you know, standing side by side with our Heavenly Father. So. You know, again, my prayers and condolences go out to you guys on that. But like I said, I don't think this fans, this FedEx shooter's obsession with Applejack, you know, is going to, you know, hurt or be focused on during this investigation or it's going to hurt the community or the fan base or the franchise. I don't think so. So, again, condolences and prayers out to the family during this moment in time. All right. With that said, let's move on to our next topic. No, I do not, but um, I might look into that in the future. My VC, uh, my, uh, v, my VCR still works. I might look into that. And hello, Black Cat Film Productions. Nice to see you. Again, guys, Super Chats are open. And if you want to donate through patreon.com, BW Rosas, that's one way of doing it. $1 tier gets you a recognition 
and shout out like Mandor once had and New Jersey artists and Kibi doll um, had and the three dollar one which Mandu is at right now and New Jersey artist and Kibi doll had to retract from temporarily get you shout out recognition as well as exclusive content um, you know only that you can only find on the patreon page as well as for a limited time through my DeviantArt.com page under BVW1979. But you have to have a DeviantArt account that has the mature settings turned on. So there you go. Um, anyway, getting back on topic here. You know, let's try to get this done with as quickly as we could. Let's talk about our second topic. And our second topic is... A very unique question, because if you've been paying attention to the news, you might have been noticing that this has been reported on, you know, locally and nationally, if not worldwide. But from a local and national standpoint for us here in the States, this is a, you know, been reported on a lot. And that is, are COVID-19 cases really on the rise? And the reason I question, paraphrase the question of that topic, the second topic here that way because there's a lot of people that don't really believe what the news is saying. They don't believe what's coming out of the CDC's mouth. They don't believe what's coming out of the World Health Organization's mouth. They don't believe what's coming out of, you know, Washington's mouth, if you will. Washington, D.C., the House and the, you know, in the Senate. You don't believe any of that. Um, and the reason being is because to a lot of people, it's kind of ironic that all of a sudden, you know, you're getting all these vaccinations, you know, being uh, made ready and everything, which, of course, I ended up, you know, getting mine, um, if you will. And I didn't show you anything there. It was just a side. <laughs> um, well, like I said, uh, basically... You know, a lot of people feel it's kind of ironic that with all these vaccinations happening, now all of a sudden cases are starting to rise. Now, I will give the news and the CDC and all of them credit for trying to make it not seem so, you know, threatening or bad or anything like that by saying, by putting in key words and numbers like nearly on the rise or nearly at this percentage or, you know, it's risen up by this much or whatever. I'll give them credit for doing that. But there's a lot of people that feel that it's kind of coincidental that this is happening, you know, the you know, just at the same time that we're getting vaccinations. And you know, this is why we you know a lot of people would question what's going on with this question that I put for the topic. Are they really on the rise? And I would have to say I would have to say not really, not saying they aren't, but I would say not in the way that the media is, you know, labeling it, you know, because what they're doing is they're label, labeling it, you know, and presenting it, you know, as being so massive and big and bad news and dark cloud floating over us when, you know, in reality, it's probably not as bad as they say it is. And if there's anything that the media loves to do, the news media loves to do, you know, especially at the encouragement of political powers in charge. That's instill fear. 
They may not say they are, but that's what they're doing. By basically making headlines, you know, by basically naming headlines the way they do and getting people to click on the article or the video that has that headline, you know, to hear what they have to say, you know, about it. In a way, it's kind of like putting fear, you know, fear and doubt into that person's mind. The doubt of, you know, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? Like, you know, to that goal that Biden wants to get us to before July 4th? You know, and here in California, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it to that June 15th goal? You know, stuff like that. But then it's also fear because they know, the media knows, the CDC knows, World Health Organization knows, mostly the people in Washington, D.C. know that not a lot of people, because even those people themselves are coming out and saying, I'm not getting it. They know not a lot of people want to get the vaccination, whether it's the Moderna or the Pfizer or whatever the case may be, or even the Johnson & Johnson, once that gets back up and going again, probably being you know, distributed in the way that originally should have been distributed, like the Pfizer and the, Mando- and the Mandora. Um, easy for me to say. Um, I just said it, didn't I? Um, I just said it, didn't I? Uh, the, the Pfizer and um, the Mandora, if you will, or Mandora. Aura, if you will. Uh, but basically, it's probably going to end up being distributed that way once it gets back up and running again because that one dose is too strong for anybody. Um, but anyway, getting back on topic here, getting back on topic. Um, like I said, I think, you know, what it, in my opinion, what it is, is it's just fear. That's what it is, because like I said, they know, they hear it. The news outlets hear it, politics, the politicians hear it, the CDC, who, all of them hear it. You know, the Mandura, Mandura, whatever, that's the name of it. Um, But anyway, they all hear people saying, hey, I'm not going to take the vaccine, I'm not going to do it. And by basically coming out and saying, oh, cases are possibly on the rest, basically headline, naming the headlines in a way that's going to be eye-catching and everything. To them, in their opinion, it's going to instill fear even into those that don't want to get the vaccine, and it will scare them into saying, okay, okay, fine, I'll get the vaccine. You know, so that's why they, you know, they kind of question, you know, you know that, that kind of questions basically, you know, whether or not it's true about COVID cases really be on the rise. Like I said, I have no doubt maybe there is some truth to that, but it's not, you know, in a way that, you know, the media is making it out to be or the CDC or anybody else is making it out to be because what they're doing, you know, as much as they may not like doing it, is they're trying to scare you that scare you, those that don't want to get the Mandura, the Mandura, uh, the Pfizer vaccine or the Mandura vaccine, whatever the case may be. You know, or even the Johnson and Johnson, once it probably gets distributed in the way that the other two are, you know, you know, by them basically making the headlines the way, you know, in basically naming and the headlines in these manners and using certain wording, you know, to them, it will scare people into getting the shots. But, you know, so to me, like I said, there is probably some truth to the cases being on the rise. But I don't think it's as true as the media is letting it on to be because all they're doing 
in my opinion, is trying to scare, uh, uh, you know, trying to scare the, those that refuse to get the shot into getting it. That's what they're trying to do. And it's not just them. It's like I said, it's those in Washington. It's the CDC. It's the World Health Organization. They are trying to scare those that refuse to get it, that believe there's more to this than, you know, what's being let on. You know, they are basically scaring them into, you know, basically going out and getting it. I mean, my second oldest sister and my dad have said they don't want to get it because they don't think it's trustworthy. They don't want to, you know, put something that's unknown to them that's not FDA approved or, you know, nothing more than something that's, you know, or that there's something more to it that they're not letting on. You know, they refuse to do it. And basically what's happening here, um, if you will, is this is nothing more than a fear factor deal by the media, by politics, by CDC, and who to get people that refuse to get the shot to get it. Now, you know, I didn't put this as a you know part of the topic, but the other question is, you know, why are they feeling this way? Why do people feel this way? And again, you got a lot of people out there that are conspiracy theorists that believe that the government is up to something and that there's more to the Mandura, Mandura uh, shot and the Pfizer shot and even the Johnson & Johnson shots that they're not letting on. Some people believe they're freaking microchips, like little microchips, you know, very tiny, insignificant microchips in, you know, you know, in, in, in those shots, in the Mandura, in those vaccine shots that not only help, you know, build your immunity towards fighting this COVID situation, this pandemic, but also to keep to keep you uh, to keep a trace on you to kind of you know watch your every move and everything because now just like let's say a cat or a dog when you take them to the vet you know you've been chipped that's what they feel that's what they believe and that's why they have a refusal but again basically the reason now you're starting to see these reports of cases are on the rise this is what's going on and everything you know the reason you're starting to see that now is because it's nothing more than fear. It's nothing more than a fear game or a game of fear, basically, to get you, those that, like I said, don't want to get the vaccine, to go out and get it. It's like to them, it's, I mean, basically to the, the politicians, the CDC, who, and mostly the news media, it's basically them saying, hey, you don't, you want us to stop putting these headlines on here about the cases rising when it may not be totally true, go out and get the vaccine and we'll put a lid on it. That's all they're trying to do. They're just trying to call you a bluff. They're like, look, you know, you, we'll stop doing this. Yes, if you go out, well, they're not calling the bluff, but they're basically challenging you. They're challenging you by saying, hey, look, we'll stop doing this. Just go out and get that. You know, they're trying to challenge you. They're trying to make a deal with you. So, you know, so yeah, not a lot of, so yeah, basically that's what I think is going on. I, again, I'm not denying that cases are not on the rise, but I don't think they're as bad as what the news media, the CDC, and all of them are putting on. I think they're just doing it that way to scare those that refuse to get the vaccine shots to go out and get them. Now, the other reason, obviously, people don't want to get them is due to the fact 
I don't want to. I mean, let me use something else as an example. Dude, the fact that let's say this is your, let's say this is your vaccine card. You know, they don't want to have to go through the trouble of digging out of the wallet or, you know, digging out of the wallet and showing, you know, uh, people, you know, the vaccine card of what of the shots they got just to get into a sporting event or a concert. They feel that the freedom is being taken away, and it's not. Because like I said before in a video, I don't think this whole vaccination card thing is going to last long. I think before this year is out or even a year after you get the shot, you won't have to worry about it anymore. I mean, yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but guess what? They've actually come up with a compromise too. And that compromise is to take your phone, take a picture, use your phone, take a picture of your card, and then that way you just pull out your phone, show them your card on the phone, there you go, you're done. It's easy. I mean, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How many of you have to get carded still if you go out and buy alcohol? Huh? Or you go to a bar? How many of you still have to be carded, even though you're way past the age that you know needing to be carded, huh? How many of you? A lot, right? I mean, not that long ago, I mean a couple of days a couple of days ago, guess what? I go to Rite Aid and I have to basically show my ID. I have to swipe my ID, you know, in a thing. You know, and I actually have to swipe, have it scanned to make sure I'm of age to buy the medicine that I need to have in the house because it's allergy season and all that. So, you know, I got carded. And even before that, I got carded for alcohol at the Knob Hill store. And I'm almost 42 years old, man. It's like, seriously, what the, it's like, what's going on, right? But here's, but here's the thing. I still showed him my card. Does it feel like when I do that, I get my freedom taken away? No. It's just part of the law. It's just part of the rule. That's all it is. That's all it is. So you got to look at it that way. You got to look at the fact if you have your card physically on you or you've taken a picture of it, it's just basically like you're showing your car, your ID or your driver's license to get alcohol. That's it. It's no big deal. But yet, that's one of the other reasons people don't want to get it. But in the end, though, are the cases on the rise or really on the rise? I have to say, in a way, part of it, like I said, I think part of that is true. I think a part, I think part, I think a, a part of it, is, I think part of that is true, that cases are rising, but I don't think they're rising in the way that the media is letting on. So, so to me, you know, so to me, I do agree that they're slightly on the rise, but not in the way that the media lets on. Because all the media is doing, in my opinion, through the CDC and politics and who, is trying to put fear into those that refuse to get the vaccine to go out and get it. That's all it is. So, yeah, they are slightly on the rise, but not in the way the media is letting you on, on about. Okay. So, next up. Next topic here. Should cons and festivals move down a few months uh, this year instead of being canceled or made virtual? Excuse me. 
Now, the reason I bring that up is because this year, around this time right now, or going into next month, uh, the Bay Area Brony Spectacular BabsCon was to originally going to take place, but just like last year, has been canceled or postponed till next year because of the pandemic. So because of that, they've decided for the second year in a row to do BabsCon online, which is pretty cool, in my opinion. Because basically what they're doing is they're allowing the convention to be free to the public, as far as I know. Because, you know, usually you would have to pay to get your way in and all that. Here, you don't have to worry about that. It's free. You can go out. You can go on your computer or whatever and watch. And if you can, even interact with the people that are a part of it. Um, but then again, on the other hand, you have San Diego Comic-Con, which is going to do another, a second Comic-Con from home or Comic-Con at home deal in July when the event is supposed to take place, is supposed to originally take place. But then they're planning to do something around Thanksgiving weekend in November, you know, in San Diego for, you know, as a physical event. You know, which, you know, a lot of people were excited about, but do question, you know, as to why you would do it at that time. But it does bring up the question of should other conventions, should other conventions and festivals do the same thing? I know one of the things people like to look forward to here in Status Cause County, mostly between Newman, Modesto, and Turlock, and, and Patterson, is the Epcot Fiesta that takes place in Patterson, California, every end of the, every end of May into June. Unfortunately, right now, that's not going to happen because our may- the mayor over there is not going to allow it. And even if they do decide at the last minute, hey, let's do it, you know, it's going to be too much of, of a hassle to get everything up and running. Now, is the opportunity, you know, in front of them to move it about a month or two later, a month or so or two later? Absolutely. But we'll have to see what they do. Now, by the time you watch this, and as I'm recording, as I'm doing this live, you know, maybe they've changed their minds. Maybe we will have a fiesta, but we don't know. There is one that's happening in Stockton still, which is the Asparagus Festival. And as far as I know, as far as I know, the the Status Class State Fair in Turlock is still happening, as far as I know. Um but we'll have to see. And those all take place during the summer. So perfect timing and done around the time that according to Newsom, we should be fully reopened by that time frame. But even so, if something was to happen, should those get moved, bumped off a little bit, bumped down a little bit? Maybe. I mean, when you look at what, you know, (coughs) excuse me, when you look at what, you know, movie theaters are doing, um, well, not movie theaters, but movie companies are doing with some of the movies, you know, they're moving them down by a few months. Some of them just by a few weeks, you know, just so they can be certain that, okay, we have, we're in the clear, we can do this. So, so yeah, you know, you know, should they be moved down a few months? Well, you want to get that old school, 
you know, physical in-person interaction, I would say, yeah, I think they should. I mean, a lot of people pointed out that BabsCon should just be moved to maybe July or August, you know. But I, I, I think the other reason, though, is because, honestly, it's, it's, it's a hassle. In fact, somebody actually commented on one of the videos where I talked about this, and they said it just, you know, they could do that, but basically they have it set in a way that, you know, you know, basically trying to move it would be more of a pain than just, you know, postponing it to the following year. So, so yeah, um, should they be, should, but yeah, should festivals and conventions be moved down a few months instead of being canceled or be made virtu virtual? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do think they, they could, they should be, but I think it all depends though. Like I said, on the scheduling, like, can you find an opening weekend or whatever a week to make that happen without interruption? But yeah, I think it's possible. I think they, I think it can be done. Um, but if not, then obviously postponing it to the next year or just going virtual is probably the best solution. So, so yeah, in the end, I, I do think they should be bumped down a few months just to, you know, you know, just to at least try to seize an opportunity of doing something in person, you know, for people or allowing people to do something in person. But if not, then, you know, you just got to wait another year or so. But yeah, I do think they sh I do think festivals and conventions, cons, if you will, can be moved down a few months uh, this year, you know, just to give people that opportunity of that physical interaction in person. All right. So on to our fourth and final topic. And our fourth and final topic here, guys. And I provided a link in the description so you can uh, check it out. It's right under this fourth and final topic. Uh, the links, I should say, are in the description, parentheses-wise, next to this fourth and final topic. And that is, could Mr. Internet Man's Mystic Makeover series truly work as an animated slash live-action series on a streaming Servers like HBO Max or even Netflix. And honestly, when you look at what he does with Mystic Makeover, you know how, you know, and the story behind how this character, Demonica, came in possession of this lipstick called Nightshade, which, or Nightshadow, I think, whatever it is, and applies it and thus turns her into an alter ego known as the mischievous demon elf, Demonica, who has the powers to become anyone or anything. Um, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of, I think there's pl plenty of story to work off of that, work off of uh, with that concept. I mean, as I've mentioned before, um, minor dash alterations at DeviantArt, that's minor dash alterations, at DeviantArt has done a series uh, based on Mr. Internet Man's character and has used this series to also introduce to the world his character, Agent Ruby Walker, who's become basically like a love interest, lesbian love interest of Demonica's. And the last time we left them off, it's becoming a little bit more interesting, a little bit more intriguing, um, if you will. 
there's a lot more development going on. But overall, like I said, when you read that story, that minor dash alterations, that story says that he's doing. And then you also look at what Mr. Internet Man has done from like a web comic perspective, web comic panel perspective on his page. You can, like I said, you can definitely see the the potent, you can definitely see the the inner workings of something that could work as a series, live action or animated, you know, on a on a on a service like HBO Max or Netflix. You can see it. I mean, to me, the story is there. The story is there, and you know, we we've seen how you know places like Netflix and you know, HBO Max and other services have, you know, successfully adapted, you know, fictional media and expanded on the concept even more so than the original, than what it's, you know, than what the show was originally based off, you know, based off of, I should say. And to me, the Mystic Makeover series has that potential. It has that potential no matter how much people may say it doesn't, it does. I mean, the, the way you can expand the world of this character beyond what Mr. Internet Man presents to you or what Minor Dash Alterations presents to you in written form, you know, it's like the, it's like basically, and I think just went off there, it goes into rest mode after a while. Um, but basically it's, it's one of the stories that it's like you are giving, you are handing, you are giving a, a place like Netflix and a place like HBO Max. You're giving them the keys, he's to to a treasure that they could, you know, really just flaunt and, you know, you know, uh, basically, you know make into something more or help develop into something more. But again, you know, could it work? Yeah. Could it work as a series? And like I said, yeah, because as I was just saying, you're giving them the keys to, you know, to something that they can make into something more by expanding. I mean, think of the story potential, if you will, think of the story potential you have there with a character like Veronica who has these powers. And then later on, she meets up with this character called Rebecca who has sim- the same kind of powers. And both of them have mischiefy demon elf alter egos, Demonica for Veronica and Exotica for Rebecca. Imagine, imagine the story potential there. And when you add in like newer characters to be like, to represent, let's say Veronica's friends or Rebecca's friends or whatever, or the family, and let's say they start finding out what's going on, or maybe Veronica and Rebecca at separate times let them in on it. Imagine the storytelling there to where, let's say you can have a family member confront Veronica after she lets the secret out of what she's able to do as Demonica, even to the point that she says, hey, I can even become, I can even, you know, fuse with my friend who has similar powers and we become somebody different. Imagine the story potential you could have there where perhaps a family member is like, well, I work comes out and tells them, look, I that's great and everything, but I worry about you. Because I read up that if you stay in a fusion for so long, 
that you can end up permanently becoming that person and be lost. So, again, the story elements are there. The potential is there that they could work upon, they could build upon. And, again, and it's it would be right in the palm of HBO Max or Netflix's hands. So, to me, I definitely think it could work. And then you add in potentially... Down the line, characters like a Ruby Walker, if they wanted to bring her in, a Morphica, whatever the uh, alter human ego of that character is. You know, you bring them all in, and you would have a great story on your hand. You have a great story series on your hand brought to life that you can make into something more. You can expand on more. I mean, heck, you could have a moment, just a moment between Rebecca and Veronica, where they both talk to each other about how their families both kind of said the same thing to them. Like, you know, basically, you know, being glad that they got these powers, but one family member tells them both, hey, you got to be careful about doing a fusion with one another because you could end up being lost in that for good if you stay in that fusion for too long. You know, and again, the potential is there potential is there and I think it could truly truly work you know because you know when you think about it we have seen movies and shows of the past that have gone down similar tropes uh, trope routes if you will uh, directions and and they and not only do they work, but they work because they catch your interest. They get you intrigued. They get you invested. And something like this, to me, could truly get people invested, could truly get, capture people's minds and imaginations if they decide to do it. But, yeah, I definitely think, I definitely believe, um, in my opinion, my opinion, guys, that an animated slash live action series or animated or animated or live action series based on the mystic makeover series by Mr. Internet man, as well as somewhat the demonic series by minor dash alterations. I definitely think has the potential to work. You have so much you can build upon, expand on the stories that you could tell just, you know, it's just like a, it's just, it's just like a total package that you, when you unwrap it, it's everything you would want, you know, you know, as far as the series goes, animated or live action. So, yeah, I, but yeah, I definitely think, I definitely think Mystic Makeover could work as a live action uh, animated series on, on a streaming service like HBO, like HBO Max on Netflix, because one, one reason it could work on one of them is they got more leeway. There's no, like, restrictions or anything. So they would have a little bit more freedom to do whatever they wanted, um, if you will, with the story and the characters. But, yeah, I definitely think it could work on one of those two two services as a series. I really do. But anyway, though, guys, that's going to wrap it up here for this edition of Topics on My Mind uh, for Monday, uh, April 19th, 2021. Thank you all for joining me on this very late Sunday evening, early Monday morning. I really appreciate it, guys.
Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, I did, James. Uh, and uh, hello to you guys as well. Uh, but yeah, that's all I'm going to say for now, guys. Well, I'll check it out. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for, for joining me for this live chat. I really appreciate it. I know it was late and everything, so. Um, so yeah, just... Hope it, thank you all for joining me again. You can check me out at patreon.com slash bwrosas. $1 tier a month gets you a shout-out and recognition. $3 tier gets you recognition, shout-out, as well as exclusive video content you can only get at patreon.com, as well as for a limited time at the deviantart.com slash bvw1979 page. But you have to have an account at DeviantArt, and the account has to have the mature settings turned on. Also, you can check me out at BWRoses uh, discussions on your various favorite podcast locations like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, you know, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Player FM, check and everywhere except for Pandora right now. I'm still working on that. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for joining me. I uh, really appreciate it. And until next time, guys, God bless. Take care. Get vaccinated if you can. And I am out. I'm going to get me some Z's now, guys, because I am tired. Peace. <laughs>